0: Overthinking It Podcast, episode
1: 27!
0: Yo, yo, yo. What is up? I did extra surfer voice because I am in Los Angeles, Uh, though I declined to give my precise latitude and longitude uh, that was, you know, in honor of my present location. And once again, for the first podcast of the new year, we have an epic panel. So uh, let's get straight to introducing them. I will only say that you can always email us at podcast at overthinking it dot com, though email is down at the moment. So don't do that. Call us instead at 20 each log zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one and as a special new year's request do us a favor and help us know who you are know who the audience for the overthinking it podcast is and go over to overthinking com and uh, click to take the survey it's right uh it's right in the podcast box there on the home page it's like uh six ten questions something like that who you are it's all anonymous we won't know anything about you uh, it goes, uh, it goes to pod track, which is a podcast statistics thing and will help us, uh, maybe selling some advertising so that we can really ruin the, uh, broadcast that you have come to love, uh, which is always our, our goal. So in alphabetical order, uh, I think we have with us, Mr. Matthew Blinky. Hey, Matt.
2: Hey there. How you doing? I am doing okay. Happy new year. Matt, can I ask you just very briefly, why is it that you always start the podcast with this sort of surfer voice, this sort of like overly enthusiastic California dude type persona?
0: You know, I listened to the first couple episodes and I was talking, I was kind of like this and it was like overthinking it podcast episode three and I thought, well, I should pep it up, like I should really like jazz it up with some, some excitement. Okay, fair enough. I mean, do you, do you object to it?
2: No, I mean I just I'm I'm overthinking the introduction to the overthinking podcast is what I'm doing.
0: I understand. Uh what is it uh now,
2: now you turn our overthinking my overthinking.
0: I guess well I guess so. I I guess I'm insecure, I guess is what it comes down to.
2: I think it's just an interesting choice on your part as a broadcaster.
0: Do you mean like interesting or do you mean like interesting?
2: <laughs> Wait, can you give me both of yeah, we'll discuss this later.
0: We'll discuss it later. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And Peter Fanzella, hey
0: Pete. Yo, how's it going, surfer dude? Cowabunga. Cowabunga,
3: (laughs) hang loose.
0: Yeah, what's what's going on? How was your new year?
3: My new year was solid. I was up here in Boston, Massachusetts, where it was cold and snowing. And I went to a couple of house parties and woke up the next morning to find no fewer than 16 pictures of myself tagged on Facebook. (laughs) Here's a tip. It's okay to take a picture at a party, but it's not okay to use a flash in a pitch-black room because we have no idea what we look like. So how are we supposed to be appearing in a respectful way in pictures? <laughs> 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 we, can edit we can't use a flash because it looks like we're dancing in, like, a fully lit room, and that's just an incorrect representation of history. Uh, and nothing to... gets me down more than his, historical revisionism. <laughs>
0: Uh, Word to the wise there Thank you, Pete Uh, Mr. Mark Lee, how are you?
4: I'm great I had (laughs) Mr. Stokes and Palenki over my place For a serious rock band New Year's Eve celebration For for Korean New Year? No, for the white people New Year
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Which you celebrated with with, uh, rock music The music that white people stole from black people
4: Exactly Also by wailing away on a plastic toy drum set for rock band how was that? Life really doesn't get much better than. Well,
0: there's a, there's a, one of my favorite pictures. There's a picture of uh, Jordan up on Facebook. Um, that is, he's playing the the Rock Band drums. Oh, yeah. It's the most. That's, it's that's the, the most, Rock
4: Band money shot right there.
0: It's the one most wonderful thing. So let's bring him in. Hey, Stokes, what's going on?
1: Not too much. I, I was not aware of that Facebook photo. I may need to go untag myself. <laughs>
0: that would that would be wise, though. I've already made it my wallpaper. <laughs> I actually, I don't even think you're tagged. I just think it went up in someone's album who I know. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, I, I saw it. I clicked through, and I believe you're wearing a beret.
1: Uh, no, it's it's one of those like uh, 1920s newsboy hats that comes to a, a kind of a point in the front. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, it's a nice yeah. Hat, Jordan, it's a really, really great
3: hat. I think that's an awesome hat.
1: I agree. It's, it's one of my, my absolute favorite hats of all time. Um, uh, someone gave it to me, and someone I really, you know, a good friend of mine, I just, I can't remember who.
0: And finally, uh, Mr. David Schechner is in Boston. Yo, yo, what it is. What it is. Uh, how's the a- science? Happy,
5: uh, happy three-cubed podcast, everybody. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cubic pod. We're not going to get another one of those till the 64th. Wow. I'm, I'm not. I'm not breaking any stereotypes right now.
0: If I had a uh, if I had a cricket sound effect,
5: I'd play it. That would be that would be better you than anything what? I could possibly. No, it's, a, it. it's okay.
0: I'm, it's it's usually my jokes that go over like lead balloons. So I'm glad someone is stepping up.
5: Are those jokes? Thank uh, <laughs> you.
4: <laughs>
0: Thank
5: you. Yeah. I, do, I do want to say I, I was actually I was trapped in New York on New Year's, but I managed to um. Like, but not the cool part of New York. I was on Long Island with with the rents, and uh, but I filled it by like just relentlessly tagging Pete uh, in photos on Facebook. Like, shit that he's not even man. I photoshopped some berets onto Jordan. Uh, it was a good time. That's excellent. So, so, so New Year's was actually not that different from most days for me, but, you know.
0: Can I, you know, I... Uh I saw some old high school friends and junior high friends, and I remember New Year's Past where my uh this other dude and I, who's like my best friend in middle school, would log into AOL and say dirty things in the chat rooms until we got kicked off.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we created we created many screen names because they kept disabling our old screen names and the best one was uh, we tried to get Bad Girl sixty nine, but that was taken, unsurprisingly. <laughs> yeah. So
5: we, uh, yeah, but by a very large uh, white man.
0: So we got um, we got uh, Bad Girl sixty nine s, which we thought was Bad Girl sixty nines, as though it's either a declarative statement like the Bad Girl sixty nines, or else uh, sort of an abbreviated relative clause that was like the Bad Girl comma, who 69s. Or I suppose a uh, a restrictive relative clause without the comma, the bad girl who 69s, as opposed to all the other bad girls that were there on Facebook in 1994. Three. Probably three. Anyway, good fun. Hey, you may have heard at the beginning of the podcast our new theme song. In case you didn't, it goes like this. I think that's pretty awesome and the composer of it mr jordan stokes is on the podcast for the first time since we've introduced it thank you for that jordan oh you're quite welcome you know
1: like to like to feel like i pull my weight slightly around here I Seem seems to have stopped writing but I'll, I'll, I'll throw in techno beats when i get the chance absolutely was there i mean was there an overthinking aspect
0: to it not to get too meta about it because i know you don't want to do that but like is there an overthinking
1: aspect to the new theme I'll tell you, there's, a, uh, there's an abandoned draft that was quite seriously overthought because I, I always used to, to joke that if I was ever going to become a rapper or a DJ, my name was going to be DJ Tone Row with, uh, with like a line over the O in tone, as, uh, like with uh, Tone Loke back in the day, or Tone Lock, <laughs> I don't even know how you pronounce it. So anyway, um, tone I did look. make... It's, it's short for loco like crazy. Ha, Nice. So, tone look. Um, so, I made a, an early version of the song, which had a, a, a tone row as of the bass line. Which, for those of you who don't know this, so like for for all of you, freaking all of you, um, a tone row is uh, a melody which uses every pitch of the chromatic scale before it goes back and uses any of them twice. But it turns out there's a reason that bass lines don't do that.
5: Intrograde and retrograde on that as well.
1: i i I was thinking about it but you know the uh the prime form went so badly that i abandoned the project before that is the there's a little synth break at the end before the bump uh
0: in Mm -hmm. the in the short version that we play at the end is that a tone row or is that uh that sounds like Mm -hmm. a modal like a modal lick to me
1: it's something modal i think uh I mean, I, I don't think I even put that much thought into it. I was just uh, toying around with the the loop programming device until something that was nice came out. So it well? Completely. Not only was it not overthought, there was no conscious thought involved. It was literally like throwing stuff against the wall until I found like a pleasing shape. So it was more like it was more like creativity and less like pretension so yeah you know it's not a really good uh, good uh, theme song for our podcast at all really now that you it. <laughs> yeah no or the site <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hey, you, Jordan, so-
2: you, guys, you guys remember duck hunt for the nes yeah. it reminds mm-hmm. me of the the initial when you turn the game on and like you're you're selecting the mode because it's well first of all because it's sort of that uh, that sort of sine wave or square wave or whatever that is i, I get my waves confused but it's also the, also the sort of modalness of it, because like the, the duck hunt one is like sort of like do 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 Ring any bells for anyone? Yeah, no, I, I don't know
5: what you're talking about. Can, right, can, hey, can we just can we can we use Blinky singing Matt as the theme song for a couple of podcasts? I'm gonna
4: I'm definitely gonna <laughs>
0: capture that and use it as a ringtone.
4: Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Stokes, I have a question for you on this. Uh, First question is, what key is this in? And second is, if D minor is the saddest of all keys, how does that make this theme song in terms of sadness or happiness?
1: Hmm. Um... You know, I, I wish that you hadn't mentioned D minor in there because I was just going to lie and say that it's in D minor, the saddest of all keys. <laughs> I don't actually, I, I don't even know what key it's in because the uh, the program that I use for this, which by the way, there's a fantastic uh, beat making software that I highly recommend to anyone who has like $600 to shell out or access to a university where they have this on the computers um, called Reason. Uh, oh, you where... did? It in Reason? That's awesome. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Reason is great software. Um, but anyway, they don't give you a depiction of the keyboard or at least the, the like the the front of it that I use. They don't give you a depiction of the keyboard with the labels on the notes. They just give you a little line of lights and you tell it like which light to play. So, you know, I'd have to go and listen to it next to a piano to tell you what key it's. In. Okay. So, it's in the key of like four lights on and two lights off. Yes, exactly.
3: There are four
2: lights.
0: <laughs> 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 Oh, that was exciting. Hey, Pete, you embedded that video in a post a a little while ago, right? That's correct.
1: (laughs) That's excellent.
0: (laughs) Okay, I feel like we should move on. Well, 2009, it is here. uh, And though it seems like the last days already, one weekend into it, uh, John Travolta's kid died tragically, which is awful. Uh, You know... Israel's rolling into Gaza. There's, you know, fighting and rocket attacks and retaliation and, you know, bad stuff. But we are hopeful uh, for the year 2009. And I think New Year's resolutions are intrinsically hopeful because they, you know, presuppose that you have, they just assume that you have the willpower to follow through on uh, something like this. And though January is my least favorite time to go to the gym Uh, because it is so crowded. By March, it has returned to normal, and everyone's resolutions have failed. But I wanted to throw open to the floor the idea of New Year's resolutions. Do you have any pop culture New Year's resolutions? Anything about New Year's resolutions to overthink? Uh, I'll just throw it open, and we'll see what cacophony ensues. Well, I like resolutions that
3: are related to things I would do anyway.
0: Right, exactly. Like I, I, I resolved to overeat in two thousand nine.
5: <laughs> this actually that well, drives well. My my resolution was going to be to try and force feed you as much as possible. Oh, thank God! I should move in with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I, I, we can. There's a synergy between the two of us. I think. <laughs>
3: I uh, careful. I gained like fifteen pounds living with those guys.
5: Yeah. Well, well he, part of that was that weird growth, though. I, I can't take credit for all of this.
3: <laughs> well, like part of it is your mom showing up with seven boxes of El Fudge and just flopping them down on the kitchen uh, table.
5: Oh yeah, El Fudge. E. Fudge is the name of our favorite rapper. Right?
0: Yeah, Shekner's mom used to roll up at Yale with with uh, like cases of
5: <laughs> of Coca Cola, rid- rid- like cases like far taller stacked end to end than any member of the Schechner family. I mean, it was. <laughs> I actually I gave myself a kidney stone consuming in rapid succession the the coke that my mom had I thought had there brought. were many kidney stones It was the fur that was Oliver no, no offense to Blinky but that, that was my, my first my first kidney stone was named Oliver stone so I kind of um, and then I had Sharon uh, later on she was um, she was she was not more gentle than Oliver Collectively they're just known as they're, they're sly in the family if you all want to I could do one like this all night. It's-
2: <laughs> if you had a new one, it could be Joss.
5: That'd be amazing, yeah. <laughs> I actually, Blinky, do you remember this? When I, like the, like, the week after I had my first one, I, like, tried to mock up a short, um, a short play that I think I forwarded you the only copy of before destroying it that was like a, an anthropomorphized um, reenactment of what my kidney stone was like.
2: Should I be searching my hard drive for that right now? No, no, I think I
5: I may have, like, snuck in and destroyed it as well, because it was just the most puntacular thing ever. But I was really proud of the title. It was called The Stone and the Sword.
0: (laughs) Wow! Was that, was that, Uh, is that uh, a reference to having to pass the kidney stone through your penis? Uh,
1: Which is like a sword?
5: Well, uh, in that, yeah, it's, I have a metallic penis. There's a very Tico Brahe thing going on with me. Got it. Yeah.
2: Right, I actually anyway. have a resolution, a pop culture resolution. What is it? Well, you know I I recently got an Xbox 360 like, you know, a few weeks ago, so I'm That's I'm awesome. trying to I'm I'm sort of like getting up to speed. I'm doing sort of remedial learning to walk around in a 3D environment because I mean, not to geek out totally, like the last game that I really had any degree of proficiency at was well, I mean, well, it was right? No, no. I mean basically I was I was really good at Goldeneye back in the day and I was kind of good at time splitters too, but I, I was playing on a, a legacy control setting because I, I wanted to play just like Goldeneye. And now I'm trying to like learn to play a video game like a normal person where you sort of walk with one control stick and look with another control stick. Um, and when I get up to speed my New Year's resolution is and, and correct me if I'm I'm pronouncing this wrong, I want to pwn somebody. is is that that correct so you want to pwn somebody in the new year i want to pwn a stranger is what i want to do because all these games are designed with like really amazing online (laughs) capabilities like i have grand theft auto and the grand theft auto multiplayer stuff is supposed to be amazing you can have like 60 people running through the city with the cops and the traffic and the pedestrians
0: oh and everyone's everyone's game affects everyone else's game
2: Right, everyone has their individual wanted level. So, you know, like like you could be wanted by the police, but the guy you're hunting is not. Stuff like that. And I'm also uh, I'm also big on Left for Dead, which is a, a collaborative game where like you and three friends have to fight your way through the zombie apocalypse. So that one is like less poning and more more um, you know, cooperative. So I, I, yeah, exactly. So That's I, a
0: game I, that's a game that you'd want your your kid to play, you know, because it's about sharing and cooperation.
2: Right, and killing so I, zombies. I, I, what I'd really like to do is like get Gears of War 2, get good enough at it so that I can challenge somebody who doesn't already suck at. Ge- well, obviously like you can't just like pwn somebody else who's like a fellow noob. You have to pwn somebody who is like fairly good at the game. And then, you know, just I mean completely destroy them. And he- I have it. often
0: said that you cannot pwn a fellow noob.
2: Yeah, I mean that's, that's my <laughs> understanding of the of the code. This is a this is a new world for me. Um, so, so, I've, yeah, I've
5: that- never said that in fact. Yeah, you're quoting Ishlus, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's long yeah, ever since the Greeks, uh poning a fellow noob has been frowned upon by the gods. In fact I think I think Oedipus, uh, his great sin was poning someone who was in fact not a noob <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> That was that was Tesuxors, if I recall. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So just, just to clarify for everybody, my understanding of what pony is, is beating them quite badly, right?
4: As an O.
5: Yeah, you're owning them so relentlessly that you can't even take the time to make sure that you haven't accidentally hit the P next to the O when you write, I'm owning it Well, I ass. don't
0: know, is it, that, is it that P comes after O, or is that like elite typing?
5: No, no, they're they're right next to one another on the keyboard. So, like, if you're tapping, if you're typing "owning" really quickly, you'll occasionally like slip over and hit a P as well. And then I mean, it's we have take... a
3: Korean on the podcast. We can ask the Korean.
1: <laughs> yes.
4: <If> that's what <laughs> they came <laughs> up with. Yeah, The interesting
1: thing, thing about it, Starcraft players, right? Or.
4: Yes, all my cousins are, are are world champion StarCraft players. Back in their muscles, <laughs> They, 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 they have their bladder surgically removed. <laughs> yeah, hey cousins, in Korea. If you guys are listening to this, uh, you know I'm joking, right? You're, and you're all not maybe not world class StarCraft players, but maybe like you know uh, at least like regional. So congratulations. <laughs>
1: Let the me say that the it, Oh yeah? Jordan, go ahead. The interesting the interesting thing about it to me is that like if any of these people who are typing Pwn were so careless with their keyboard as to accidentally hit a P instead of an O while they were playing the game, they would be instantly killed. You know? Yes. That,
2: that's a good because in order to pwn somebody you have to be incredibly precise. Just well, not spend some plainness of like, the English language. I'm looking. Well, first at,
5: of all, they, they uh, could be rocking a, a secondary control keyboard on the side. If, they, if they're really hardcore, they're probably typing text with a main keyboard and doing all the controls with like a secondary circular board.
0: I want to say that um, uh, I'm looking now at uh, I'm looking at Urban Dictionary, and they have a, a picture of an old text online zine, which used to be called Frack, which I used to, uh, I, you know, I'm maybe. Maybe this is foolish of me, but I'm kind of proud of my old-school internet cred. That is, I was dialing into a Unix system back in, uh, you know, 1994, 1995, and I actually ran a dial-up BBS out of my room. But apparently,
2: they just send dirty messages to harass other people.
0: (laughs) No, that's what I used AOL for. But, uh, no, I I ran a... uh, I ran a BBS out of my room running the World War Four software. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say we didn't distribute any wares. We distributed some wares. Uh, we were elite, you know, we were typing the letters for the numbers when, but, uh, anyway, so, uh, used to go on, on the internet and things were distributed in text files on Usenet news groups or via a protocol called Gopher, which has now been completely succeeded by HTTP or hypertext transfer protocol, which is how, uh, web pages are transmitted back and forth. But there was a zine called frack, which was about freaking or the art of getting free phone calls. Um, or, you know, poning the, uh, poning the, uh, Bell telephone system and frack, uh, April 25th, 19th. Which is
5: actually, that's how Apple computers started.
0: Yeah, yeah, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak would build a red
1: box,
5: which is Yeah, they built these um, little doodads that would, this is back when payphones were tone-based. right. You, you could put this thing next to the receiver, and it would tell the phone that it received twenty five cents, and you'd right. you'd freak the system crazy, man.
0: Which you'd have to do, and it's <laughs> uh, obviously it's spelled P H R E A K, as if that needed to be said. And what you do, you you have to call a um, you have to call an operator, right? So that, uh, and then you put the thing, you put the the tone generator up next to it. Uh, and you, yeah, you press the, press which is, the quarters which is,
5: like in, in a move of grand irony, you know, now 25 years later, the, the operators themselves have been replaced with like, you know, tone emitting squawk boxes, right?
0: That's a, yeah, Now I'm not saying I had one of these or that, you know, I used it to make free phone calls. I'm just saying that if, if one were to have had one of these, this is how it would have worked anyway. So, um, issue, uh, 26 of FRAC uh, contains pwn, contains the word pwn. So Frack was poning things back in uh, 1989. I see also some etymologies of, like, perfect ownage. Uh, I, you know, the etymology, like a lot of things on the internet, it's not clear. Anyway, but that's a good resolution, Matt.
2: Well, I mean, I'll I'll let you guys know how it progresses. So far, I haven't worked up the guts to actually play a a single multiplayer game with strangers yet. I'm just playing by myself and trying not to suck.
0: Do you? Oh, so because it's like a pride thing. Because you have you have uh, video game cred that you have to uphold, and if you if you yourself get pwned, it will be a setback in your quest for ponage.
2: It's it's not even like a video game. It's not like I have a reputation to uphold. It's more just like I. I don't know. It, it, I, I hesitate to use the word shyness, but it's sort of weird to me the idea of that I could push a button and be like thrust into like a game against a bunch of real people I've never met. That seems. I guess I've never really like played an online multiplayer game. So what you're saying
0: is that you lack the courage of an 11 year old.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm saying I lack the cur. To me, video games are played either by yourself or you invite your friends over and you play them in the same room. A different. Uh-huh. Control- and the idea of, like, playing it against, like, a bunch of, like, anonymous strangers is sort of, like, I, I don't – it it does kind of freak me out a little. I don't know. I know Shayna is not on this podcast now, but but she uh, plays Team Fortress 2, so she could explain what that's
4: like.
0: Shayna's never I, on the podcast, though she does listen. Shayna, we want you on the podcast.
4: Belinky, um, do you have to wear the headset? And verbally you don't have to wear that.
2: If you, the, it, um, the Xbox controllers come with a, a headset, right. and if you're wearing that, you can actually
4: be talking to the total okay, But it's optional, though.
2: It is. It is optional, okay. and I, I and the get reason, the feeling that most people don't bother.
4: Okay, the reason I mentioned that is because I played. Whenever I played online games in the past, like uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, the cooperative multiplayer thing, um, it was never with the headset, so there wasn't that uh, that barrier there with that you actually had to verbally communicate and listen to the squealing of other people. When you, play, you, you didn't have
1: hop- that heady. Th- you didn't have that heady thrill of being called gay by an eleven-year-old in Dubuque. <laughs> I did not have that. But Mister, that, you're I can see totally
0: that, gay.
4: But I can see that as being a very a uh, significant uh, barrier to diving into the crazy mess of Xbox 360 Live Gold membership.
0: Oh, is that, it? That, is it like that, a that, fee that, service? That, do you have to pay for the service?
2: You do. Oh, yeah, you do yeah, yeah. Pay for the service, though it's pretty reasonable. It's about fifty bucks for the whole year. So, I mean, if you play, you know, even, even just, you know, once or twice a week, it probably ends up being worth it. Sure.
4: If you can pump. If you can pump. You know,
2: and, and, and plus, if you're a Netflix subscriber, you get to stream all your Watch It Now movies, unlimited, over the Xbox if you're a gold subscriber.
0: Oh, I should say, I got myself a, uh, I got an Apple TV for, um... For a Christmas gift to myself, and I put Boxy on it so I can... Oh, they're not streaming Netflix to the Apple TV, but I'm sure that's coming soon. It's pretty cool, though. If I were to download torrents of television shows, again, not saying that I do, but if I were to, um, or, you know, torrents of films or things like this, it... It brings them all into one interface, it goes out, it figures out what they are magically somehow, automagically. It gets, you know, poster art and little blurbs about the movie and who's in it and things like this. It's pretty awesome. And this leads to my New Year's resolution, which is kind of like what Sheely put on the OTI Twitter. Um, It's to watch more movies. I, I spend a ton of screen time, but I'm usually, like, surfing the internet compulsively or else watching television shows, many of which I realize I don't like, and that I'm only watching out of habit and also self-loathing.
2: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out but and like say, gossip, gossip Girl. Yeah, yeah you no. Hate
0: I like la- Gossip Girl is a guilty pleasure. That's not that's not one that and, I don't like.
5: And and uh, you like, hate The Wire. You you hate The Wire with <laughs> seething, bloody guts. Oh
0: my God! And Balinky, you gotta stop telling me to watch The Wire. I can't take it anymore. I mean, it's just <laughs> it is it's unreasonable to be hammering on this one goddamn thing over and over and over and over. Okay, I'm establishing a boundary. I'm sorry.
2: You could just send that signed McNulty poster right back. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
4: rather, you, you actually stole mine. I i, I got a Netflix, Netflix subscription um, pretty much for the purpose of raising my pathetically low score in that uh, classic video quiz. Oh, yeah,
0: mine was low, too. And I thought I was like, oh, dude, I'm from L.A. We have film culture out here. We go see, <laughs> you know, we go see movies at the art house. I'm going to waltz with Bashir this weekend, you know. Um, I'm seeing Che, the four-and-a-half-hour-long epic by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, actually, I probably am seeing that next week because uh, <laughs> I'm from Los Angeles, and we have film culture out here.
1: But (laughs) my
0: my score on that thing was pathetically low too. So I want to I want to really shift the balance of my screen time and I want to spend less time watching crap T V and things like this and start watching some really good really good movies. That's that's my that's my pop culture resolution.
2: What are the shows that you, you now realize on reflection you watch and don't enjoy? I watched. Yeah, and and, um, and if
5: it was there? And for any of them, if there were, like was a moment of epiphany, like when when was it that you realized that this was shite? <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I watched. Um, I watched Criminal Minds for a while. I uh, I watched it while it Wait. had Ma- Mandy Patinkin on it because I like Mandy Patinkin.
5: Doesn't it have Mark Paul Gosler? No, no I don't no. think that's, so. That's raising the bar. Sorry. Maybe I don't know that show. Yeah, uh, uh, I only I only know it because it's got Zach from Safe by the Bell on now, it.
0: No, I like I like Mandy Patinkin and his extremely high singing voice. But um, he left the show, and I kept watching it just because it was on TiVo. This was you know this was before the Apple TV, uh, and I was uh, I was still watching it, and it's just this torture porn serial killer show, and it really sickens me. Uh, and it doesn't sicken me, and then like alleviate the nausea with Mandy Patinkin.
2: Um so he like, like sing Yiddish uh, at the end of every episode or something Sorry He doesn't sing at the end of every episode
0: Well it used to be he would sing Yiddish songs you know to to like uh more the in, the, in,
2: in like y- a really high falsetto isn't that what he does Yeah he has
0: this he has this incredible voice Well he has two voices he has this like monster belt uh but then he has this like yeah very like sweet high falsetto voice that's kind of like uh it's kind of like a gay angel singing to you.
2: Yeah, right. I'll say actually. If, if people, <laughs> he's, a, he's a Tony Award winner for The Secret Garden, right? Is
5: he's, it The he's Secret a Tony Award? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, he was also in. He was the first guy in Sunday in the Park with George, playing yeah. George. He was the I first was Che. Say, like, Speaking of Che, full circle here. He was the first Che in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Evita. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff on Broadway. Oh, there you go. So. Anyway. More movies. Yeah, Mark, so you're going to raise your score?
4: Oh, yeah, baby. going to raise that score.
0: You know, one um, one kind of television that I don't watch a great deal of, but other people do, I guess, and it's kind of rife for overthinking, is uh, reality television. And Matt, I understand you had uh was it like your first reality television experience in a while or was it just a a pronounced one because it was your first mtv show or something like that recently Um,
2: i mean i i I like browsing i like to know what's out there so it's not as if like i was living in a bubble you know I, i i actually um watched a bromance immediately before the city and i liked bromance a lot more um anyone familiar with this show
0: wasn't that weirdly homoerotic though
2: it, it is, but I think at least bromance is more of like a like a contest show and not just sort of like a pseudo-documentary following people's quote-unquote real lives. Right, but at, at least, least the, f- the frat boys like, were, was, were
0: roused from bed in their underwear, right? And they went out to, uh, you know, start the Brody Jenner bromance keep
2: going yeah, keep I mean, going like, oh, sans like, like they would do stuff like like all the contestants would have to go out and get a couple hot women to agree to come to a party and then you know based on you know who had the women show up and who actually you know their women flaked out you know those people were you know rewarded and punished subsequently so like you could argue that like that doesn't sound like interesting tv but at least i believe that like it's a real thing that happened like the people actually go <laughs> out and talk to strange women, and the women either did or did not show up to the party. That is, and, it's a show about being a contestant in a in a contest, and you do believe you
0: do believe that those that those people are in fact a contestant in a contest.
2: Right, it's 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 the, and it, although, like, all of them sort of claim with a straight face that, like, what they really want is to be Bernie Jenner's best friend. Right. Um, you know, they, they also happen to be getting, like, a large cash, I, th- I think they're getting a tremendous apartments. I'm sure there's a cash prize component, you know, at the end. So, like, you know, the, their motives are at least, you know, understandable, whereas the, the city is, I, I mean, you can't even really call it a reality show, because, like, it, it doesn't represent Anyone's real life, yeah. I, I don't know what it, here. Here's the deal. What I was I was trying to figure this out for a long time. I feel like you guys familiar with the Heisenberg uncertainty principle? Sure. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Maybe uh, David Schneider would like to explain this briefly.
5: Uh, briefly yeah, sure. Uh, I'll do what I can. The Heisenberg uncertainty principle says that God, uh, when Dave. You get he that- said briefly. <laughs> <laughs> so alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the Heisberg's principle says that uh, when you're on a quantum world, when you're dealing with very tiny particles, that um, certain properties that you can measure about the, the particles become sort of mutually exclusive. Which is to say that, like, the better you know, uh, or the better you can specify a certain property about a given particle, um, the less the other property has like any significance whatsoever. And so, the the classic examples of these are, are momentum. And position. So, like, if you have an electron, the better you know its position, uh, the 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 less meaningful the very concept of momentum is. And this often gets shortened by saying, you know, if you can, if you know the position of electron, you, you can't uh, know how fast it's going, uh, and vice versa. If You know exactly how fast it's going, uh, you have no idea where it is. That the better you know one, the worse you can know the other. Right.
2: That's that's not-
1: not- not- well, okay. Go- Sorry, Jordan. No, I was, I was going to get sidetracked. We should probably get back to... Uh, no! To, uh, to... Sidetrack!
5: Sidetrack! <laughs> hey, Wait, no, where's, the theme, where's the theme song for over-sidetracking it?
3: So how is that different from the Steven Seagal uncertainty principle, which is when there's a Steven Seagal movie on television and you have to decide whether or not you want to watch it? <laughs> that... I-, I didn't even so realize you're there always was uncertain. There. You can never really know for certain whether you actually <laughs> want to watch it steven seagal movie and in fact when you turn it on you know less about whether or not you actually want to watch it
2: <laughs> well, isn't it,
3: uh, <laughs> isn't
0: the it thing also like, that you don't know which steven seagal movie it is at any time even if you've seen the, the title it's actually watching the, it the less you can tell them apart
5: <laughs> yeah there actually i don't really think there is a difference i just sort of thought it was one kind of continuous train of unconsciousness really yeah. Well, at least
0: you know how slowly so he's running. He's going to be running very slowly through <laughs> That's all. <the> right. <laughs> Jordan, where were you where were you going to go?
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, are you saying that the uh, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle as we're all taught it is not accurate that like you can tell how fast something is going and how and where it is at the same time, but it's just that one of them won't matter?
5: No, no, no. It, it's it's that literally um, uh, a more complex explanation would would have to deal with the fact that um, you know wave particle duality. If you had a better sort of like, is everybody comfortable with wave particle duality?
3: Oh yeah, okay. yeah
5: keep going. It. I don't care. <laughs> it's Fuck basically Jordan. That, that you you can, when we deal with. When we deal with these particles, we're not really, we don't often think about them as a little discrete mass, as like a little bundle. We don't think about the electron as like a tiny little sphere with an electron's mass and an electron's charge. We think about it sort of as a probability function. Like this is the probability that it's going to be at any position at any time.
1: What and do you mean, um, we.
5: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm talking about what you're doing tomorrow, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've all been conscripted into the uncertainty army. Welcome. Um, we have to, for some reason, fight I, off I the Rwandans.
2: I think we're welcome. Who knows? <laughs>
5: it, until we open the box, we don't really know. <laughs> so, so um, if you have um, a particle that has, let me let me see how this works. If you have a particle that has higher energy, um, then you can think about that as a composite of multiple different probability functions, and those functions then have increasingly higher and higher probabilities that the particle could be found anywhere else. And so, like, as the energy goes higher, uh, the probability that the particle can be found anywhere else goes higher and higher as well. And so, like, as you more explicitly understand the energy, the, the very notion of that particle, like, the, the very concept of its position becomes meaningless.
1: Okay. Couldn't that- you explicitly I- understand that it has very little energy? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Heisenberg,
5: and this is something that I, I was never really clear on. I think Heisenberg breaks down for things that have exactly zero energy. Um, although we luck out in that almost nothing has exactly zero energy ever.
0: Okay, so Matt, where were you gonna? What was the point of bringing uh, up the Heisenberg uncertainty principle? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the ideas, other than other than
0: a bravura performance by you by can you can still have an energy drink I if you run well, out of energy by soon to oh, be. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would be great if there were an energy drink called the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle, and it's do you have absolutely
5: zero energy? Zero energy. <laughs> yeah. and, and, this, and this drink does not apply to you. Then this drink is not for you.
2: Because <laughs> you're, you're probably concerned. dead. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> to sort of like dumb the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle down. It's the process of observing something always changes it. Yes. And that and that now in classical physics, you sort of pretend it doesn't, or it's, it's all predicated on the idea that you can make a measurement and that measurement is accurate and doesn't well, change the, you know, your...
5: That assumption is actually really valid. It's that the, the act of obs- observing it imparts such a an infinitesimally small difference on the system as to make it pretty much unmeasurable. Or that it's, it's like it's so well beyond the error that you're already making when you do the measurement that it really doesn't matter.
2: Okay, but all right. So, so to go back to the the situation we have with reality TV, um, obviously the taking these people that were going to high school in California in what is it, Laguna County or the OC or whatever it is. Orange, yeah, it's Orange
0: it's, County. The the community is called Laguna Beach.
2: Right, I'm going back. I'm going back to Laguna.
0: Beach. That's the Beach. real Orange County. Because I'm from uh, <laughs> I'm from uh, L.A. and we have film culture. Right. <laughs>
2: I,
1: I, 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 here's,
2: here's my understanding of how these shows have evolved That on the hills What we have is is A parallel universe Depicted of what would have happened if Laguna Beach Had never been made Which is like these people graduate from high school And go into like low level Medial fashion jobs To try to climb their way up the ladder Right? They're literally fetching coffee And, like, that might have been what they had done if they had never been on MTV. But, in fact, in reality, their real jobs and their real ambitions have more to do with, like, being celebrities and being TV stars on the hills. Um, Okay. You know, that, like, if you watch the hills, you would think that Lauren Conrad is a fashion student. At fashion school in reality she has her own fashion line which i, I don't know if it's successful or not but she's you know an, an entrepreneur she makes uh, six figures an episode like literally six figures an episode for appearing on the hills so for all intents and purposes her job is to be on the hills and to be an interesting character for the hills her job is not to like go to fashion school and to like do her homework and get good grades
0: well, her Does job like, is to be a character on the hills. I don't know if uh, interesting maybe pushing it.
2: Right, okay, but but I think I think my point is that the Hills well, sort of like 30. like they're they're trying to depict what life would have been like had MTV and celebrity not interfered for these people. And it becomes increasingly difficult with every passing season.
1: You're saying you know, that uh, I, she is she is no more a real low level fashion worker than Anne Hathaway was in The Devil Wears Product, right?
2: I, I think that's I think that's true. I've literally read articles online to the point where like a board of sort of like uh, style writers have tried to like call up the companies where they presumably work and try to get them on the phone, and they're never there. They just show up when they're taping the hills, you know. And theoretically, the company will claim that they work there, but they don't work there in the same way that everyone else works there, you know. That and so that that each sort of like each season that passes and each new TV show brings these people. The, the lives that are being depicted on the shows are further away from their real lives. So here we go. The city, we have this, this person called Whitney, and she's coming to New York to be like uh, – she's like in marketing for um, – what is the company? I'm really bad with fashion companies. Yeah. Diana something? Uh, Sean John.
0: No, uh, uh, like Fustenberg, right? Or Fusterberg? Yeah,
2: Dan Yvonne Fustenberg.
5: Uh, Oskosh?
0: Oskosh Pagosh.
2: At the beginning of the show, she's saying like, oh, this is such a good opportunity to advance my career and everything. But in fact, the real opportunity is starring in your own MTV show. You know, is, right. is no longer being a supportive character on one show, but, and, and, you know, if they had asked her to do pretty much anything, she would have done it, because I don't think she was so attached to the, you, I mean, you, you guys know what I'm saying, that, like, sure. the longer that these shows go on, the more they're playing a role as opposed to being themselves. Well, and they're the longer that to, they, the
0: longer that they go on, the more, the more of, a uh, kind of, more, uh, contortions they have to do to remain internally consistent.
2: Well, what do you think
5: about...
0: Um,
2: right, because right, uh, the the shows literally take place in a parallel universe in which they are not celebrities. Like, literally, when Whitney walks in the door... Hey, man, I'm going to put that a slightly uh, different way.
0: The shows take place in a parallel universe, which is identical to our universe, except for those shows don't exist.
2: Yeah, it exactly. And and that so they're like, tautological the door at Diana von Fürstenberg, and sure. and people are literally no, like, they're they're where are you from? You know, sure. like like with in New York. It's so it's like they don't they don't um see the five cameras that are following her around everywhere. You know, so it's like like the the Hills takes place in a world where, like, there is no such thing as the Hills, and, right. and they're, you know, they're not being shot for a TV. Because if
0: one of these girls and their camera crews came in to the bar you were sitting at, you wouldn't, like, look at the girl and have a conversation. You'd be, like, looking behind her, at like, what the hell are these camera crews doing here? Of course, everyone knows what the camera crews are doing there, and the audience knows that the camera crews are there, and that the camera crews are being ignored by the people who are... On camera and being filmed by the camera crews, so it's a you know it's it's like a, a mass well, consensual d- state of denial.
5: I think the audience really only knows about the existence of the camera crews if they really stop to think about it. I, I think I think for the most part you can kind of get by on the sly by assuming that people are you know, pardon the pun, so programmed into the, the way that they watch TV that they sort of, you know, they, they implicitly forget about the, the camera and they think about um, the the people that they're seeing before them as characters and they're sort of following the plot of what these characters experience. And this sort of carries over immediately to, to most reality shows that you watch, um, just sort of out of habit at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think so, but that's like... There's a slippage, I think, between that and between, you know, reality TV and, um, you know, scripted. I get what do they call it now in the business? They call it scripted versus unscripted television. And to say that like to say that people watch reality TV under the same set of assumptions that they watch scripted programs, there's a slippage between that and like sometimes they watch it because reality because it is reality T V. You know, you you hear people say, I don't uh, like uh, I don't like shows with plots or like Lost, which is insanely complicated, or Heroes which you know, got Terrible. Apparently, not that I watch. Be, but fails, not yeah. that I watch either of those shows. I watch reality TV. I like it, but there's—I mean—there's I mean, there's a weird slippage if you say that those people are watching reality TV because it's reality TV, and yet they're watching it under the set of assumptions that they watch scripted fiction programming. Oh no,
5: no, no, I'm not saying that they watch it under those assumptions. I'm saying that uh, it's hard to break out of that kind of reflexive mode of viewing television. Sure. That that even if you're not consciously assuming these things. It's really hard to to watch a series of people, you know, a, a group of people interact with one another, um, in any in any format other than like a talk show, and assume uh, or, or like really consciously force yourself to think of them uh, as real people who are being documented and not sort of comfortably fall into that that uh milieu of just characters so this is a, the I,
2: I would
0: like to work the word slippage into my discussion a little more but you know let's table <laughs> that for the moment and sorry, yeah, is that your New Year's resolution <laughs> yeah right exactly slippage and uh and purportedly which is
5: my <laughs> other favorite word <laughs> I use that all the time I love that word but um Wait, while I've, while I've got the conch, really quickly, I just want to say, I think, like, the one counter-example to what you're talking about are, are like, those shows where they go out and, and try and actually document people doing some sort of abysmal job, uh, like, um, like, uh, the Deadliest Dirty Catch. Jobs. Or, I well, Dirty, Dirty Jobs is sort of episodic, but, like, the Deadliest Catch, or the GoBots to its Transformers, which is Ice Road Truckers.
3: Ice Road um, Truckers, yeah. <laughs> but they're made by the same guy, they're not <laughs> Transformers. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it's the same. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! But but there are two it's the different. Although, same channels, company now right? owns both and Transformers. Isn't there one? Isn't there, there one go.
0: where like very wealthy people go into poor... QED, Pete? QED. Very wealthy people go into poor communities and, uh, you know, work like building houses or something like this, and then it give
2: that. I'm not sure it's. I'm not sure it's happened yet, but yeah, some I think, sort of I like... think
1: it's called Habitats for Humanity. Or is yeah, it yeah. I think, like I, I think, think it's that's called, called charity? Yeah, who wants to not be a millionaire? <laughs>
0: what
3: do you mean uh-huh. like Extreme Makeover Home Edition?
0: You know what? This is really <laughs> a discussion of this is a discussion of Kino Pravda or film truth.
5: Wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, ki- the
2: Kino Eye. Here's, here's the thing that really blows my mind about something like The Hills, which is that everyone understands it. It's a really confusing thing, but like, if I go on the street and talk to pretty much anybody who watches The Hills, even one episode, I think it's, nobody's confused as to what they're watching. People seem to get that it's sort of like a, a fictionalized version, like, like I, you know you know what I mean? Like, Like, it's like somehow we're smart enough to figure it out, even though it's this sort of like weird, it's almost impossible to put into words what's going on in a show like The Hills.
0: Simply because there's layer upon layer upon layer of reality?
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of, I mean... I don't think anyone is, is fooled by it and in fact like you know if you ever watch The Hills After Show, which I don't recommend you do, which is like a show where they sort of like they tend to have like one cast member of the Hills on to like provide some behind the scenes perspective on some of the events and they like talk to people who were watching it at a live party about what they thought of it. And they sort of often make these tongue-in-cheek references to the artificiality of it all, and how like you know, oh, this conversation seemed really staged, or the cell phone conversation seemed really staged, so it's almost like i mean it's it's not my analogy, but I think it is a good one that like the hills is sort of professional wrestling by other means, <laughs> that, like <laughs> it, it's understood by all that what they're watching <laughs> is not real, even though like it, you know nobody involved with it will ever come out and say that point blank.
1: So which professional wrestler do you think uh, what's her name, Lauren Conrad actually is? I
2: mean well I'm assuming go with that, that that we're sort of like in the golden age, the, the Hills the Hills verse nowadays is sort of like the WWF twenty years ago. So she's gotta sure. be like Hulk Hogan, you know, she made this possible. You know? Yeah. And then and then in, in that case, um, John Cena. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was gonna go with the Iron Sheik
2: <laughs> yeah, <and you're> Iron Sheik. <laughs> yeah. What makes you say that? Just because the Iron Sheik is funnier because you actually... Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I, I wanted to prove to everyone that I remembered the Iron Sheik. That was... Uh... Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> You've done... Purportedly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, have you seen the uh, Aronofsky film, The Wrestler?
1: No, I was
0: just
5: going to ask that. Yeah,
0: yeah no, amazing. I thought
3: I cried and cried and cried. Oh, my God. It's really, really good.
2: It, it's Very all that in a bag of chips. I actually...
5: I, I saw some behind-the-scenes thing on it, and I, I was, you know, the, some guy was mentioning, someone involved in the production was mentioning that they had, like, a private screening for a bunch of the old school, like, WWF guys and the current WWE guys, and that appen- apparently, like, Rowdy Roddy Piper was, like, brought to just uncontrollable weeping at the end of it. That Like, he, you know, yeah. he couldn't get a word out oh, uh, for, like, tell 20 me minutes. That.
0: That's like, that you know, that really ruins R- Rowdy Roddy Piper for me, you know? Those men don't cry. No, th-
5: this is what we've dreamed of for y- any other Hulkamaniac. Understands that that is the ultimate goal of life is to make Roddy Roddy Piper cry. <laughs> uh,
0: no, you know, I I saw a preview for it when I was at the Art House Cinema, Los Angeles Film Culture, the other night, and uh, <laughs> it looked uh, it looked really well acted from Mickey Rourke. I mean, it looked incredible. Mm-hmm. Was it was it in fact incredible? It
3: is. It's, it's you, it's, you it's, know, there's things- long strides of it where it's pretty middling. Um, but, like, it, it has a lot of disparate elements that are very elegantly connected with one another. So there's a lot going on in the background that kind of jumps out at certain moments and comes together in coalesces. So it, it feels like we we're watching a foreign film about the United States because it sort of, like, watches certain things that Americans kind of do that we kind of take for granted, but it watches them with this sort of uh, voyeuristic eye, huh. um, and it really sort of dares you to try to understand what's happening any given different situations, just because of the comparisons it draws and the symbols that it pulled out. Cool. Yeah. Anyone see, else? Uh, it's
0: May. Anyone else see any of the, uh, any of the, like, Christmas releases? Well, Mark saw Valkyrie. Yes, I did. Which we talked about last time. I saw Doubt. Yeah? Uh, ex- uh, excellent performances. Really excellent as a piece of writing. As a film, it's, um, as a film, it's really a first time filmmaker's film like there are three or four instances where it's there's like a composition that has a canted frame, and it's like it really is very basic, like something's askew here it's like, <laughs> you know and as um, the joker right and, <laughs> <laughs> and there are a bunch of uh there are a bunch of references in the writing. Uh, to, like, the wind is blowing or the winds of change are blowing or there's a wind blowing me through my life or things like this. And so I think that's enough to sort of create that imagery and the dialogue uh, at the level of the writing without actually making it literal by depicting, like, you know, storms and leaves blowing around that's and, like, like pathetic
2: fallacy.
0: Yeah, it was a w- it, it was a little on the nose at the level of filmmaker, but my understanding is that John Patrick Shanley won't let anyone else touch his material cuz he's just so devoted to his script that like he was the only guy who could who could direct it. Um you know, and as again, as a script and as as acting, I think it's I think it's first rate really across the board. Hey Matt, you saw Slumdog Millionaire?
2: I did see Slumdog Millionaire, and, like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to put my thoughts into a post. Basically, like, I liked it, but I'm sort of, like, a little bit quizzical ab- about the sort of, like, the Slumdog Millionaire love fest that's going on right now. It's actually winning a whole bunch of uh, Best Movie of the Year awards from, like, critic circles – yeah you know what I mean like like it's actually got a, a, a large amount of best picture buzz right now, not just being nominated but actually like winning. people yeah. are talking seriously, and that to me seems like a little much, you know like yeah. it was a perfectly fine feel good film, at no point in the movie where anything remotely surprising happen, and no point will anything like make you laugh out loud. No that's not fair. I mean, there were a couple cute I mean basically like Slum so Millionaire, it was a cute feel good movie, but I didn't think it was like a great work of art.
5: Yeah, it looked to me just from the previews. I haven't seen it. It looked a lot like um, like My Big Fat Indian Wedding.
2: <laughs> well, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, a lot. It's it's a it's lot also, more like. It's
5: ostensibly movie. like it's ostensibly an indie film. It, it's like an Outsiders film that's that's you know going to show us this new way of making things, but in reality, it's just like a low budget, big budget film, or it's a low budget Hollywood machine film.
0: Well, sort of. Except it wasn't. It was made outside the Hollywood machine. I mean, it was made by. Danny Boyle in India, I think, with Indian money.
5: Right, right. Like rubies.
0: <laughs> with, well, with, with, with,
5: with Windows install disks. Uh, okay. Uh, that's racist. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm sorry. With Linux install. Uh. There,
2: there is a little bit of call service humor in the movie, which is which is I think smartly done. Uh, I mean, like like I don't I don't want to come out anti-slumdog millionaire because i enjoyed the movie i'm just feeling that like maybe somehow people are going a little like i feel like it's this year's like little miss sunshine where like people are are making it out to be something bigger than it it really is
0: but don't you think we need those i mean well here two questions like hey don't we need those movies around oscar time so that we can all you know collectively like like, like, like we all want a
2: dark horse we all want an underdog yeah, or we all want to kind of make
0: these movies, which increasingly are these, you know, celebrated properties, studio tentpole, uh, you know, special effects-laden crap fests. We all want them to mean something. And so when something like Slumdog Millionaire, which probably at least has a real heart in it somewhere, comes along, we, we you know, seize on it ravenously.
3: You think Live Free and Die Hard doesn't have a real heart? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this has been my objection since day one, and I won't really get into it right now, but it, these other movies, they're not worthless. They don't. Iron Man has a heart. Iron Man says things about humanity.
0: I think Iron Man, <laughs> uh, uh, Iron Man, though, is really at the top of the heap of some of the superhero movies that have come out recently. Iron Man and Dark Knight.
4: I mean, this was a good year for movies, I think. Mm. I, hey, Blinky, I, I, should a... say, I should say last year. Blinky, I got a question. Are there any white people in this movie?
2: Uh, I mean, there are very few. I mean, there's actually an American tourist couple at one point that, like, you know, the, the kid gives a tour to. Why do you ask?
4: Because I'm looking at the, um, the list of Oscar Best Picture winners over the last uh, two decades. I'm scanning them now. And there are extraordinarily few in which uh, the, the main characters of the movie are not Caucasian. You, basically so if, this, no, if this rose to the it, top, then this would be, a, a again, a, a, an aberration, a significant achievement. Probably
3: the biggest reason it would have to win, I think, would be people being sentimental and wanting to advance that goal for its own sake.
4: Because they hate white people. <laughs> white people won the Oscar. No.
3: Well,
0: change, change has come to the movie industry. <laughs> yes, we can.
2: Although it, it seems <laughs> very interesting in, in a way that like, it's a movie made with, with you know mostly natives. Although I believe the girl is supposed to be Indian is, in fact, Spanish. But, I mean, you know, it doesn't doesn't matter. She looks, you know. You know <laughs> and they brought the kid. You know, they, I, I
1: would imagine that it, uh, it matters quite a lot to people from India, actually. <laughs> no, I, people.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand, like, you know, why it might. I'm not saying it, but but I don't think it should. Like, you know what this reminds me of? Remember when uh, they did Memoirs of a Geisha and, and both of the leads were Chinese? Yes. And I don't... I don't necessarily think, it ma- I don't think it matters,
4: doesn't it? Matter? Uh, it was kind of a big deal to to uh, the Chinese the Japanese people. Well, why, why well, should yeah, it right. matter?
2: Like, like, nobody questions when, like, an American plays a, a Brit, or vice versa. Or
0: when a Brit plays an American, which, you know, happens a lot, too.
2: Right, that's why I said... Well, well, but that's because
4: uh, Americans uh, are British.
3: Uh, have oh, a- is that what that means?
4: Purportedly?
1: But hey, Belinky, let me tell is- you this
4: little story about World War II. there's a little bit of animosity between China, Japan, and, you know, Korea and some other countries. In Asia, you know, just a little bit. Mark, That's can why. you tell
5: this in the form of a first-person shooter, if at all possible?
4: Cause, yeah, because <laughs> it's never been done before.
5: But yeah, that well has never been gone, too. I'm going to use it my headset.
2: All okay, right. all right. I do, I do take it, when you put it that way, that, like, it is a, a period epic about a particular but, but, culture and...
5: But but the thing is also that, like, British people and American people aren't, like, I don't know, they, they, they wouldn't label themselves as ethnicities as much as, like, the average Chinese person and Japanese person would when distinguishing themselves from the other, right? Right,
0: there's a difference between a national identity and an ethnic identity. And an ethnic,
5: yeah. And, like, arguably, from a genetic sense, probably there really isn't, but, you know, it, when a person identifies him or herself, it, certainly in regard to the other, then it's it's much more important over there than, than it would be here.
0: Right. I see myself as a cracker before I see myself as an American cracker.
2: Yeah. That's exactly yeah. how I see you, too. I,
5: I see myself as a non-racist. I I'm just try to backpedal frantically from previous You're on time. the wrong <laughs> podcast, my friend. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> I think hey, Mark, that, you want to uh, do, do more Asian voice? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, no not not really notes.
3: Notes. Oh, hold your, Pull yourself together.
4: <laughs> I feel like we should move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> uh, let's start the New Year's <laughs> off right. Let's bring back... Uh, Let's bring back Overthink This, our popular culture picks for, uh, for 2009. Well, no, not 2009. It doesn't. It's just for this week. Uh, and who knows whether we'll keep it up, but let's start the year off with um, Mark. What do you got?
4: Sure. I got a book. I haven't read it yet. Um, that's a pretty shitty overthinking on my part. But um, it's called Don't Stop Believin', How Karaoke Conquered the World and Changed My Life. I didn't write it. I probably should have, though, because <laughs> karaoke has changed my life. But it's by Brian Raftery, and it's uh, kind of part personal uh, personal story about how karaoke changed this author's life, as well as a look into the karaoke industry and its history and all these kind of things. I really want to read it, but one part in particular really stands out to me. And one of the things that this book takes up is when you're, rap- when you're uh, in the karaoke room and you're doing a hip-hop song, and the N-word comes along in the lyrics— what do you do? That's probably a good subject for a completely different podcast, but this book purports to take it up. Purportedly takes it up. What I'm do looking- you do? <laughs> when the N-word appears in karaoke. Is that what you're going with then?
5: Yes, yeah, something like that. Does it, does it count to, to just substitute the word niggard, which would mean that they're just incredibly miserly?
3: A uh, that makes you're, like, the Secretary of State of New
5: Jersey, whatever that guy's job was. <laughs>
3: Remember, he got fired for saying that stuff? Or was it like, press secretary or something like that? Or,
5: or for saying, for using, like, the word niggardly?
3: Yeah, he got fired. He had to resign in disgrace after using that word, which has no etymological, like, cognate. No, 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 no. Yeah, they're
5: yeah. Not, they're, it's a false cognate. They're not related but People
3: don't care about that shit. People don't care about
2: I cognate. I
5: so.
2: <laughs> nah, we need dirty I guess, laundry. Yeah. Uh, I
3: don't the word person. person gets laughed. So that's what i say.
0: So moving on down my uh, Skype call window here, Fenzel, you got something you got to pick?
3: Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I normally recommend the different under different circumstances or a different auspices, but it is New Year's. People make resolutions. And uh, one of my sort of side interests is, you know, fitness advice and, like, health advice. So if you're looking, if you're making a New Year's resolution about fitness, I cannot recommend enough to go to www.johnstonefitness.com, which for years and years was, has been my favorite fitness website on the Internet, great place, great community, lots of really good information, not a lot of bullshit and not particularly influenced by, like, major commercial interests. So you go there, you know, you look at the stuff, you look at the forums, you look at what the guy did. It's basically a guy who took pictures of himself every day, um, you know, for months and months as he tried to transform his body from being obese to being in shape. Um, And from there it became kind of an Internet phenomenon about three or four years ago. Um, But, yeah, go check it out. Um, if you've got one of those New Year's resolutions, uh, don't do it alone and, and go go join a community and, and talk to some people who are who have done what you're doing and are doing what you're doing. So
0: is it, did you, did you find it helpful to be, like, I find my gym faithfulness is a lot better when I have a gym buddy because I feel accountable to someone, but uh, does having an online community have the same kind of effect for you?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, profoundly, to the extent that when I moved to Boston and was forbidden from posting on these message boards during my actual job, <laughs> um, my I really fell off the wagon. Like it became much harder for me to keep up with things, and I was separated from my online community. Um, so if if you do get attached to that, it can provide a lot of support, and it can also uh, be pretty important for you. Yeah. You got
0: cool. Shechner, what you got?
5: Oh yeah. So uh, mine, I don't know. It, it's it's. Kind of popular so i'll throw it out there and if you've all seen it already then we can just you know throw me in a corner with a pointy cap on make me think about my shame but have people seen the uh, fake thundercats movie trailer yet no i only thought oh, that you showed it to me okay. oh. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was helping pete out last night yeah it, it is a thing of absolute beauty um and, and it's i and i almost hate to bring it up into this this context because it's in a sense kind of similar to something that, that blinky did but this guy basically like Cut together a bunch of clips of, like, various action movies starring pretty much the ideal cast worthy to make a live-action Thundercats film. I don't know, that might be in production. Uh, And then, like, meticulously went through frame by frame uh, in Photoshop and painted the makeup on there and then spliced in... You know, music and text from the original, um, the original cartoon, and basically threw together what's a fairly convincing, certainly in like the graininess of YouTube, a fairly convincing uh, preview for the Thundercats film, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it, it is the most beautiful thing I've seen all the last three days.
4: Who plays Lion-O?
5: Uh, that, that would be Mr. Brad Pitt. <laughs> probably probably the, the best casting though is, is uh what is it, Pan Panthara? What's what's the Panther's name? Panthro.
4: Panth-
5: Panthro, that's the one, uh is Vin <laughs> Diesel. Uh huh, no. and, and Wiley Kid <laughs> Wily Cat are, are played by the uh, by the, the spy kids and snarf is captured footage from the abysmal CGI Garfield movie. It's it's <laughs> just inspiring <laughs> <laughs> <And> every single <laughs> movement is, is pure beauty. It is really just magnificent.
4: I'm Does somebody steady, say Thunder, steady. Thunder, Thundercats? Ho? Yeah,
3: somebody just say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I do. I do every
5: minute that I watch it, uh, and most minutes where I'm not. Um, thunder, cool. thunder, Thunder, Thundercats. Ho! Yeah, All yeah, so right. Well, thank that. you, Dave.
0: Uh, I'm going to stick no, myself no. in here. Uh, my pick is for those of you who are doing. New Year's resolutions. There is a book called The Now Habit uh, by Neil Fiore. I'm checking that. Uh, I'm checking that thing now. Who's a guy, a uh, researcher at Berkeley and a, a clinical psychologist. And it's a, a book about procrastination. And it's, uh, you just get the sense that this guy has this incredible clinical experience and this incredible amount of research knowledge about procrastination which is something that especially if you're a writer or you do things on the internet so you're a creative person it you know afflicts us all um and i i think it's a little self helpy it's a little like you know the five steps towards overcoming you can just imagine the conversation with the publisher where it's like hey neil all this research and you know stuff and little anecdotes about patients you've had it's all interesting but could you give us five easy steps um you know anyway uh it, still the steps are are pretty damn good uh, and it's a book that I read that really sort of helped me think about procrastination and why, you know, why you do it. And if you have a new year's resolution and if it is to overthink something or to be creative about something or anything like that, it might be, uh, it might be something that you find useful. So you can get it on Amazon. There'll be a link on overthinking it. Uh, the now habit that's for me. Hey, Jordan, what
1: do you got? Uh, I happened to, for a variety of reasons I won't get into, see a, a Japanese movie recently called The Phantom with 20 Faces. And I saw it without subtitles, so I have no idea, like, really what goes on, but it had, uh, parkour and Tesla coils. And um what seemed like a community of uh sort of mafia types in the maybe the late forties who were training in ninja. And man, like it was pretty awesome. So my recommendation to all of you is to find a version with subtitles and then, you know, call into the podcast and let me know what it's about. <laughs> yeah, you can get us at uh two zero three-285-6401.
0: Did I do that right? I just did that from memory. Yeah. Oh. It's twenty eat log. Oh. 20, eat log one uh, and Balinki, what do
2: you got? Uh, first of all, I'd like, I was doing a little uh, googling while you guys were talking, as is my custom, and I was actually mistaken about the the actress in uh, *Slumdog Millionaire*. She is her name is a uh, Frida Pinto, which I just sort of like. I remember sort of like you know as the credits were going, I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. She, she sounds like she's maybe not Indian, uh, but it turns out she is in fact Indian. Her name just happens to be Frida Pinto. Um, so anyway, uh, that, that whole conversation was pointless. Is that a stage uh, name, or I, is that
0: her real, is that, like, her real name?
2: I, I don't, I don't know, it just, I mean, it, it just says on our IMDb page that she was a model in India, you know, when she was discovered at, like, an open casting call for the movie, um... But uh, I, you know, my pick is I was I was listening to my iPod on shuffle and I heard one of the songs from uh, Team America: World Police, and I know that a lot of you probably seen Team America: World Police and know the songs. But if you haven't heard the actual soundtrack, most of the songs on there have longer versions with a second verse uh, on the soundtrack that actually appears in the movie. Where in the movie they're like you know, minute and a half, two minutes. So if you if you haven't heard them, they're they're really. Um, they're great gems they 're dead on parodies uh, by trey parker and and uh it 's definitely worth picking up a copy of the the soundtrack and, and listening to the full glorious versions. I highly recommend uh, only a Woman, which is the greatest love ballad ever written about how how only a woman is allowed to touch me there
4: you need a you. montage yeah you, the uh, i 'll totally second that and i gotta recommend the instrumental tracks as well, the orchestral. Tender strings and the rousing march, all these things are excellent as well.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, we'll uh, put a link we'll uh, put a link to the to the record on the Amazon MP three store. If you like Blinky, you're going to listen to it on your iPod, uh, don't buy shit from the iTunes store with all the crappy DRM. Buy unprotected MP threes from the Amazon MP three store that you can put on any player or anything you want. It's your music after all. Freedom
5: isn't free. The only that- reason to go to the iTunes store is to subscribe to our podcast and rate it up.
0: Well, yeah, and thanks thanks to everyone who has rated our podcast. There are some uh, there's some really nice nice things about that, and, you know, we're really glad. Well, maybe the other guys aren't, but uh, I, for one, am glad that people are listening to the show and enjoying it.
3: I want them to suffer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we That's why It's a show for masochists. That's why we do it. Yes. uh well super excellent uh you can email us at podcast at overthinking it.com though you know uh, early 2009 january 5th 2009 when you were probably downloading this uh the email is still down so don't do that instead call us at 20 eat log zero one that is 203-285-6401 uh if you can go to the website overthinking it.com and fill out our survey i swear it's short it's the short form of the survey uh, and uh, that'll help us uh, get advertisers and ruin your show with a bunch of like pre-roll ads or something like that which is exactly what you want uh, so I guess if you're a podcast fan probably you don't want to fill out the survey but do it as a favor to me anyway and as always you can check us out at www.overthinkingit.com the site that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve